Welcome back to another episode of the Exterminatus Podcast, all things competitive in the world of Warhammer 40,000. My name's Eric, with this is my co-host Ray. Hey, we're Hello. kicking it old school this time, it's just the two of us. Yeah, it's kind of fun that it worked out that way. It's a little too It's a too bad Robert had to uh, take care of something. Yeah, well, so we'll have him back soon enough. But uh, lots to talk about this particular week. Uh, we had the GW 35th anniversary of Warhammer 40K. Uh, big previews on Saturday morning. If here locally, it started at 6 a.m. if you got up early for that. And to kind of a passing of the guard, I would say, um, or changing of the guard, I should say, a venerable tournament that used to be one of the pinnacles of the Northeast Circuit seems to uh, have uh, lost some of its luster because a lot of guys went to the new Games Workshop event in Chicago instead. So we'll get into those two tournaments. But first, let's talk about a whole bunch of Astro Militarum coming our way. Yeah, so we knew that uh, it was just a matter of time before we were to see information for the new Astromilitarum stuff. They are one of the last two codexes left at this point. And honestly, one of those two that we're waiting on now is... So, I didn't actually get a chance to watch the video. Um, when I saw, like, the pictures, I just kind of like, okay, well, I'll go with that. Um, I do have to laugh because at the same time I was seeing the official pictures, I was also seeing some people have some fun with it. It's Astromilitarum. What are they all? What, what can you also use them for in theory? Good brothers. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw pretty much every every, every picture of like the boxes, any kind of artwork. People were putting the Gene Sealer cult heads on them and relabeling. I thought it was hilarious. But so we're gonna see an army set, bo- uh, 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 yeah, which is a box set, and it's it looks neat. I'm gonna start by saying that. I'm also going to say, considering what I tend to see with guards, this doesn't look like it's very many points, like at all. Uh, so we've got two Cadian Shock Troops, which are whole new models. Yay, finally updated. We've got the Command Squad, which, you know, you still got the flag. These guys look more like they're marching for, uh, just like in, uh, it looks like they're marching in formation. It doesn't look like they're actually taking part of a battlefield. Yeah, look very 1812 as opposed to... <laughs> World War Two, but anyway, it's you know forty first millennium. We got all kinds of weird stuff going on. And then we've got these heavy weapons that are kind of the old, you know, you got the two wheels in front, and then you got the peat part in the back where you'd have to lift it off the ground. And this time they've got it set where everything's on the base instead of you having them any extra models off to the side. Which uh, I bet the uh, organizers of the London GG was asking, where was this last weekend? <laughs> Right. Uh, so we see these uh, what they call lar- large bore cannons, multi-missile launchers, or heavy overcharged LAS cannons. So these are called field ordnance batteries. Actually, look pretty cool. Yeah, they didn't give a whole lot of description during the video what these things. I know stat lines, but the you can pretty much tell the uh, the ordnance batteries to take out uh, hordes. The hypercharged LAS cannons are more powerful than a LAS cannon. They did confirm that and say exactly how. So you get you get the general gist of what these things are supposed to do. And then we have the updated uh, scout set. Uh, and um, then there's the... I, think they call, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a more armored version. I think it's an armored set at all. Okay. And these are sporting the legs that they basically look like they're carbon copies of legs, just with diff on them. Less armor, as it is. And these look really cool. Yeah, I didn't realize those kits were as old as they were, so it's nice to see them to get an upgrade, and supposedly in the new kit, they have new weapon options that were not previously available in the Codex. Well, I know I saw one of the pictures shows one with a, uh, like a, a uh, chainsaw. Oh, um, now you got me going. <laughs> It's not a chain sword. It looks like it's it's like straight out of Army of Darkness Ash with a little with a chainsaw at the end of an arm. Yeah, so I forgot what it's called too. But they had a couple options there, and it, honestly, I'm just good. Not, not that familiar with the range when it comes to certain, that, especially the Sentinels. So I'm just kind of like, you know, generally those were just kind of action monkeys in the past. So I'm like, okay, cool. They got new options. We'll we'll see how this is something we have to deal with. But um, I was kind of like, okay. So it, it doesn't look that wildly different from the previous kit. So I'm like, mm, okay. 
No, it, but it, it's definitely a, hey, this is definitely better. You're going to want this one if you have a choice. Also, something else you're going to want to have in a choice between the two is the new Commissar model, which looks, it definitely looks imposing. Yes. No, he looks pretty cool. And I'm trying to think, is the current one Finecast? Okay. Yes, it is. There we go. Oh, wait, no, you know what? No, I take it back. It's not. I'm thinking of um, Yark, who, who is. That being said, the plastic Commissar that there is right now is definitely showing his age. And then they had a new command model, which I was not familiar with, like a Castellan, I think it was called. Yes. So that's... I don't, I mean, granted, I'm not for sure that he's actually going to be an HQ, but he's definitely got that um, appearance of an HQ. And the only thing I, I remember catching is that he will be able to give out two of the a turn. Not just four. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. I mean, it was kind of a neat model. I was kind of like, and very certain, you know, two, two orders per turn is pretty powerful. That's that's one thing that just always puts me on edge against uh, guard is this, that order system. It's just it's automatic. They get extra actions. They do things no other army can do. Just deal with it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Definitely. And I've heard, you know, in a way, a little bit of what they've shown, I've heard some rumors of there being like, other new things they haven't shown yet, like tanks, new tanks. So I hope to see models in the coming weeks. But they also did talk about some rules. And uh, I think the best part of that is that they actually show it here in the article. We've got the, this Cult of Sacrifice, which is units in this doctrine with this doctrine gain the Cult of Sacrifice key each time a model with this doctrine makes an attack. If that model's unit was below its starting strength when it was selected to shoot or fight, add one. That's kind of neat. Um, we've seen that in other armies, and especially with their you know, stat line usually being four ups to hit, both close combat and shooting, that could be pretty handy. That it is. And then we also have the parade defeat with this doctrine. Remain stationary in your movement phase, then until the end of your next shooting phase. Change the type characteristic of las guns and hotshot las guns. Models in that unit are equipped with too heavy too. So I was confused by that. Why would that be a good thing? Well, if you didn't move, it's essentially just saying you get to shoot twice. So think of it like this: um, you've got. I'm going to use Space Marines because it's the easiest one. Everybody, everybody can picture Space Marines. You've got the the variant weapon, whether it's whether you want to think about it as a Primaris or the the Firstborn, the original. It's got a generally speaking, it's got a rapid fire weapon. Well, what can a lot of Space Marines do if they remain stationary twice? You, there's that whole shoot twice in in, in half range, and then certain models like Marines. If they still shoot twice at full range, if they don't, that's what's all. That's what's happening here. Is basically they're saying, "Oh, you didn't move. Well, now you can shoot twice. You get two shots." Okay, so I'm guessing because I'm trying to remember, last guns I think were rapid fire one. So even if you were at half range, they were still going to get two shots. But now you're getting two shots at full range, and then because the profiles change, I think left rank fire, uh, second rank fire means you add on to that. So I'm like, okay. I can now you see the benefit. And that also includes the hotshot las guns that are part Tempest of Scions. So I'm, I'm, I mean, by all accounts, I don't see anything that says that you wouldn't be able to use that for them. No, from what I could see, I would, you, I would assume it applies to them as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, part of the whole thing of this setup is with these is that you've gotten mixed units. So it's not nothing but Cadians. It's not nothing but Catachin. You know, Death Corps, Krieg, it's you're mixing. Yeah, and that's something they did talk about on the stream is that you're allowed to mix. And uh, I'm not sure if it's army-wide or with um, still need to be separated by detachments. But so if you've got a couple Death Krieg lying around from the kill team set and another group of Catagens, and then you want to pick up these new Cadians, you can lump them all into the same army, uh, which is unusual for what we've seen in 9th edition. Yeah. But with everything going on, we don't know exactly how they're going to do a lot of this. So we should keep just... Keep an eye out for any new information so we have a better understanding of what's going on. We can't just jump to, you know, hold this is the new... So that was, yeah, not a lot of specifics. It was just kind of a, a side comment they made. Uh, basically, they were, they were they freely admitted while doing the stream that they were behind schedule. And from what I could tell, um, about six minutes behind schedule. So they were constantly getting chirped in their ear pickup speed, whereas the chat was just on fire, just laying out. Um, questions and I think it was close to 10,000 viewers on the stream too so uh, I can imagine just how much they were trying to juggle at that point 
Um, interesting. What we didn't see though is some of the preview models we saw. I thought they would just kind of bring them back to remind us, like Ursula Creed and some of those models. Yeah. Um, again, I, I didn't watch the video, so the fact that they didn't do that, well, just, I think the whole idea is this video was just to show us new things. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And uh, we also have the unique uh, situation once again is that you're going to have the new codex in a army box, and then the codex individual pieces will come out later. And to make matters even more confusing, a elite choice is coming out later, but it's actually also doubling as a kill team. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a lot of uh, interesting things that they're doing when it comes to the kill team stuff, and it's not exactly always clear on how it's going to kind of mesh with the 40k game. Yeah, there's a the newer stuff is meshing better. Um, like I know they just released mo- uh, rules, excuse me, not models, but rules for the uh, Gellerpox infected and whatever that rogue trader group is, the star striders or something like that. So those are a little odd trying to fit them in, but um, I'm having a grand old time with the Corsairs you know, from, and cause they were already built into the Eldar codex. So I was like, this is kind of cool. And um, so, yeah, I think some of the, the newer stuff is working out just fine, but uh, I, I can never pronounce this word. I said, Kraskin, Karskin, what these guys are, these new, they're also redone and they, they look pretty cool. They remind me of, um, oh, I can't think of the Twilight, not Twilight. Um, I think it was called Twilight 1999, I think it was called. It was a role-playing game that's supposed to take place in like the, um, after, at the end of the Cold War type thing. And you're like, like running around like Poland getting shot. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> but I kind of... So you want to jump into, straight into the kill team stuff next then? Since you're already talking about the kill yeah, team. Yeah, so the Kasserkin... What, is that how you pronounce it? Okay. So yeah, so interesting enough, this is a little bit of a tweak because we've seen so far is the new way to build armies is if it's in the box, it's in the game. And the days of yore where you're chasing down, I need three more LAS guns to out, or two more plasma guns to outfit my unit seem to be gone. Um, we've been seeing that with the, the Plague Marines. They only have exactly what's in the box. You don't have a lot of extra options. Uh, the Chosen got totally revamped. You know, the days of four uh, melt guns are gone. This, on the other hand, totally puts it on its head because for 40K, the car's going to, I guess, have. Kassikrin, I don't know, I'll get it right one of these days. And um, they have a ton of new options. Of course, it's more geared towards the kill team stuff. Like you need guys that can breach doors. You need guys that have comms. I don't know if that has any effect in the 40k game. Uh, usually doesn't. But uh, I could see comms specifically for guard, yes. So yeah, they look really cool. And um, I was pretty excited to see that. But also, of all armies, Necrons are in this new kill team box and um they're kind of cool there's some neat support it's basically a cryptic uh kill team moving forward yeah so this this really drew my attention as someone who does play necrons some of the stuff isn't really new although some of them might be new models when you've got the you've got the technomancer you've got a couple death marks although a, a couple of them look a little bit different i don't remember seeing one of yeah those they have all new heads based on different uh abilities that you need for kill team uh, but there is something new called an immortal despotech so when i first looked at it my first thought was oh hey look it's the royal warden outside of the indominus box set because i mean that's kind of what it looks like but apparently not. yeah i was confused by that too i was going to ask you that isn't that an imperial warden <laughs> It certainly looks like it, um, but they're calling them something different here. I don't know how something like an Immortal Despotech is going to work in 40k. It's not like Immortals have any kind of a sergeant option as of right now. Maybe in the next book they will. I don't know. Necrons in general never had a sergeant option, so I was a little surprised. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But even more interesting was the Apprentech, which is just going off the name, kind of an apprentice cryptech. And then we've got these two new plasma sites, at least new in that they're not they're new models, and I saw the name, it seemed to find it. But they seem to go into one thing we're seeing a lot more with this uh, into the 
Into the Dark uh, themed uh, Kill Team set. This is uh, phase two of that particular theme, is you need these little robots to help you go down the hallways, similar to the robots that you had in the original uh, Space Hulk game. And I think they're now just coming out with different ones for each faction. So I think that's where these are the Necron versions of them. Uh, the Imperial ones come with the, the previous box set. And uh, if you're not up on the Kill Team stuff, why is this so such a big deal? Basically, this is a competitive kill team, whereas kill team and the other have all the, you know, the multi-level floors. Last edition of kill team was the, oh, what the heck was it called? But anyway, when you played within the hallways, it was, they got rid of the multi-levels and that became what the basis of competitive kill team was all about. And they had set maps and set for set missions and of the hallways and you basically played Competitive Space Hulk is basically what it was. So now today, this is what the competitive side of Kill Team has been waiting for, is the update to that particular rules, and now they got two sets of it. Uh, so I can't find the name right now, but I did remember reading the word Plasma Sight Reanim on one of the, G the GW. So that drew my attention. Yeah, pretty cool looking stuff. Don't get me wrong. Um, other key thing, uh, looking at all this terrain, we'll get to the why that's important in a second. People ask me all the time, is that usable for 40k? It actually is. One of the things that Games Workshop is criminally undersold is the their terrain. And uh, all this plastic stuff, that even the stuff that comes out for Necromunda, it is all compatible, like almost to the point of almost like Legos, that they all interlock. You can even interlock the original uh, 40k, you know, the taller uh, arches and all those things. Those all mix and match with this. And there's there's a few things on their Facebook page that shows how they all mix together. But the um, into the dark wall sections that you're seeing here, they're half the height. So they're two and a half inches. So if you wanted to make a five inch ruin, you're just going to have to double stack them on top of each other, which you can. And they actually have a little bits that make sure they don't slide around. So they don't have to worry about, you can actually magnetize them if you wanted to. So you can make five five inch tall wall sections and to make them more compatible for 40k, which is handy because they want you to play 40k in boarding actions, and they now have a new game, which comes with twice the amount of terrain that came in the original Kill Team box. And at first I went, oh, okay. So Robert asked me a question about this, I think two or three episodes ago, and Ray, I can't remember, but if you were there as well, but, you know, having been a veteran of the game, does it give you an advantage? This is, no, and this is one of the examples where you're like, oh, they're doing this again? Ugh. And, you know, you, you think back to, like, ideas they came up with, and you're like, that was terrible. And they sometimes they recycle it, and sometimes it becomes good. Um, you know, fifth time's the charm here with Kill Team. Uh, the original versions of Kill Team were terrible. I don't know, Ray, you remember uh, 40K in a flash? Remember those rules? God, that was terrible. Oh. I remember 40k and 40 minutes. Yeah, that's another one. Which uh, Jeff back back when he was was in Arizona and at IO ran a basically a 40k and 40 minutes tournament, and that was I shouldn't say tournament. It was probably better to call it. It probably be better to call it a league, but it was a tournament in regard to the fact that there were places, and that's the only time I've done well in any kind of tournament, kind of like setting because I got third place. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, it was. So this is, you know, so this iteration of Kill Team has definitely been vastly superior. And the good news is the rules are available for free now for download. But anyway, uh, so they brought it back. So those of you who don't remember, I actually posted it on our Facebook page this morning back in 2002. So 20 years ago, you know how long ago this was. Battlefleet Gothic was a thing. It was still out. And they were trying to find a way to link your 40K games with Battlefleet Gothic games. So they came out with this $5 rule set where you could do boarding actions. And they gave you kind of rules on how to do them. Well, it looks like they're bringing these back out. Unfortunately, they're not bringing back Battlefleet Gothic anytime soon. But uh, how to play 40K games in boarding actions. So the first thing you're thinking, like, Okay, you're a competitive podcast. Is there going to be like boarding action tournaments? Probably not. This is definitely narrative. It's kind of fun. And don't get me wrong, it, it, I, I had a lot. One of my favorite 
phase to play 40k was planet strike which they bring those rules back that was a lot of fun but there's no way you're ever going to do a planet strike tournament that doesn't make any sense however what this does tell us from a competitive side since we are a competitive match play podcast if this is the new way we're doing campaign books i'm intrigued because it's not necessarily giving us another there's no army of renown i don't have to worry about oh here's the um imperial guard boarding party well, that was a bad example because there's one in the next kill, kill team book but you know like a chaos space marine boarding party you know type thing uh can i use that for 40k it has this weird wonky broken rule uh sure you can use it no not no i tournament and all that sort of nonsense all that's gone no armies of renown no special rules no oh you're the faction of the week you get eight extra stratagems none of that's in there so you want to play this have fun you don't want to play it don't worry about it don't need any kind of refreshing yeah um so when it comes to the terrain itself i think it looks awesome a lot of the other a lot of the terrain that jw sells i just i feel like it's disconnected from the way that the game itself gets pushed for actual games especially when you start looking at itc and honestly even a lot of gw events it's you get you get these like little pipes all these randomly weirdly shaped um building components and i call them components because depending on what box you get you might get the same like sprues of bits of buildings and you just build them in different configurations for different things and you're absolutely right and one of the biggest problems they run into is i would say why bought the orc terrain from a kill team release what do I do with it? Are they and if you buy them and build them per the instructions, they're going to be too small because I think they're only like eight by five, maybe even smaller than that. They're they're tiny, and I remember being very frustrated because I reached out to one of the TOs who runs the GW events, which we're going to talk about later this show. You guys are actually using the GW terrain? Oh yeah, yeah, we're building it right out of the box. Oh okay, no, they're not. They're linking like two or three of them together to make bigger pieces. And the good news is, is they're interchangeable. So like Ray said, I got this random pipe. What do I do with it? There's attachment parts on those things. So you can attach them and make suitable size terrain and blocking windows suitable for ITC play. The problem is there's no one central box and there's no bits bin that you can buy all that stuff from. So you have to kind of learn from watching other guys do it online or get lucky and the right combination of boxes because they're they're not all sold like the one thing that was a blessing in the old days was the imperial city it was basically every five of every sprue in one big box here you go they don't have that right so yeah it's it's just these weird spatterings of pieces you don't realize they actually glue together and when you do you can make the terrain that you really need for a real tournament and what makes it even more difficult is some of the older kits that are not even that old or not even on the website anymore. You got to find them uh, buried in a box set somewhere. It's just like, ah, so very frustrating. All right. Well, I think the next thing we can talk about might just be something that I know has at least one person play group very excited. And that would be a certain demon writing reserve. Yeah. I've been wanting this kit for thousands of years. It feels like so, because they have it in fantasy. It drives me nuts that they have, and I, I thought this was something that they were they had decided that they just weren't 40k any, anymore. You know, you have a bunch of different random models that you know just kind of disappear. Old uh, demon riding HQ models. I mean, yeah, we still had the the disc riding sorcerers, but you know they got they got rid of the the Slanesh version. They had gotten they got rid of the version. I mean, for the longest while, they got rid of the corn version, too. But here he is. He's reborn as the Lord Invocatus, which, I, while I admit it's an awesome model, I have to say, I feel like they picked the wrong word here to call him an Invocatus. He's just an awesome-looking model, though. It's so cool. The only thing I'm disappointed about is he's an HQ choice. Why, why? please make him an elite choice so we can make, like, a unit of five? That'd be awesome. But... <laughs> <laughs> well... So I'm. Let's be fair. We don't know that there isn't an elite choice of five guys very similar to him yet. No, that's true. 
we don't know um i do hope that you know one of the things that they're going to do when they released the i'm going to call it codex supplement right now because i don't know but it probably is just a full codex um codex or codex supplement world eaters i gotta hope that it's more than just angron the the, in demon prince form karn this guy and then berserkers i've i gotta hope that there are at least a couple new things just specifically for the world eaters not just hey we ported these over from the vanilla chaos space marine codex or, hey, we ported these over from Age of Sigmar, which I'm still a little sour about when it comes to the Thousand Suns. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little weird. Why do my guys have bows and arrows? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's been some rumors of what could be in that World Eaters Codex. We still have a little bit more to go in terms of what that could be. But um, in the meantime, this guy is just so cool looking and wow. I mean, like I said, even if it's just an HU choice, having like two of them on the table would be like really cool. Uh, I'd love to have, like I said, a unit of five, uh, no big deal. I can always throw in, you know, some of the old blood letters on, you know, blood crushers uh, right behind them and create this great formation. That'd be a lot of fun. So yeah, the other thing too, no stats, no no idea what else this guy comes with, but he's he looks pretty pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and I was just double checking that. The only thing we know he's got he's got some sort of a pistol, and he's got a chain yep. axe. So super excited about that. So I'm like, all right, this will be really really cool. And just when we thought that was the all we needed uh, to get us through, uh, that was the last reveal. <laughs> And especially for the chaos side of things, yeah. Wait for the end of credits re- reveal. That was pretty amazing. Yes, the uh, Damon ex machina. <laughs> so the way they did it, they I mean they purposely did not set it up, no tease whatsoever. They just kind of, you know, looked at the camera, says thanks, you know, and you could tell he was being barked at. You need to go because I guess the uh, GW Chicago event was waiting for them to finish so they could start their stream. And they're like, all right, thank you. Good night. Which I realized what time it was in England. And then all of a sudden you see this like chittering sound. And then on each of the, on the outsides of the screen are pretty clear. Those uh, Megavolt cultists, you know, they're the, that came was it a Blackstone fortress. Is that where they were from? Yeah, I think so. And they're all like cheering on um, what looks like they zoom in on a very slow speed, what looks to be Abaddon. And then as Abaddon fades, uh, as the zoom goes further, there's this rather strange-looking character. It's got like mechanical wings. He has that hammer that we've been trying to figure out from the rumor engine, and another weapon in his other hand. And then, but he's kind of overlit, so you're just seeing the silhouette. Meanwhile, there's like the very distorted voices telling you all kinds of whispery, you know. Sweet nothings that the chaos would gods would tell you to do. I'm giving you power unimagined and stuff like that. And they leave it and then they call it um Chaos Made in Metal. And I'm like, which is a really cool album name right to begin with, but <laughs> let the speculation just fly at this point. What is this new model? So on the uh actual article, they did some neat things with the text, which it got even more interesting as you went further along. There's one that's just like whispers in the void. What looks like the you know one of the setups for like a date. It's just dash, backslash dash, backslash dash. Power rises from the warp, and then one of the most interesting things is right below the picture. I guess it's a yeah, it's the first picture after the little video clip. I have come to make you an offer, and it's got like all this really cool stuff around. I didn't even know you could do. I don't even know how they did that, but it was awesome. Yeah. And then you get the final picture, where it's like, yeah, it's kind of the silhouette. It's got figure, got wings, the one weapon in his right arm that looks. It's definitely like a staff or like a hammer or something, something along those lines. And then what comes to mind for me is like a power fist or a lightning fist kind of a thing for the left arm. Okay. So I, I can't wait to see what this is the the beginning of. I've seen some people in some Discord threads saying that they either think or hope that it's the beginning of a dark Mechanicum faction. Yeah, I was hoping that as well. It's definitely the first impression I got um, as I kind of tempered my excitement a little bit afterward. 
I think this might be similar to a Master of Possessions type character, where Master of Possessions seems to augment your all the chaos models with the demon keyword. This might be still in that vein of a Dark Mechanicus character, but rather than a full faction, it's a way to buff all your um, machines a little bit. It's kind of like a almost the a demon prince sized warp, warp smith. That sort of thing. okay. So I thought, I thought that was pretty wild. Another friend of mine suggested that uh, a Lord Discordant. It's a the, the official title is a Lord Discordant on a I forgot the name of the, the Steve. So is this an upgraded Lord Discordant? This is another version of the Lord Discordant. So it could be that too. Um, I don't know. There's a couple ideas out there. It's super exciting. It's really cool. And this is this is the kind of stuff that could be really neat. Um, of course, uh, Goonhammer <laughs> had to say something fun. As long as he's not another Horhan world claimer, we'll be happy. And I was like, ah, no, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's just like, whatever this thing is, it cannot wait. Uh, some of the fluff guys were telling me, I guess, Coraxia, uh, I guess, from the fluff is uh, Abaddon's personal dark mechanic, basically his version of Belisarius Call. But- oh. Okay, well, I can say that if that's who I think they're talking about, the description of her in the book, because if I remember right, that's the one that gets mentioned in the, the Talon of Horus book, her description does not match the mo- what we're seeing. And not at all. Yes, yeah, you're absolutely right. Because yeah. she's more like a, a she would she looks more she would be more of like a mechanical female look of what the scorpion king looked like in the second mummy yeah, a female the rock no just kidding um yeah, she's very spider looking <laughs> if a more a newer reference would be uh if you guys watch transformers Plime, arachnid uh kind of look like that so yeah that at all what this picture looks like but still um very cool um super excited about this and i mean that's they know how to do it. They know how to put on a show. So, Are you a gamer that has more bare plastic than you have time to paint? Do paintbrushes spontaneously combust when you hold them? If either of these is true, contact White Crow Studios and get your models painted by a college-trained professional painter. You can contact Bo at whitecrow.commissions at gmail.com and view his previously painted models at White Crow Studios on Facebook. Is your beer keg boring? Does it not have enough tentacles coming out of it? Does it not taste as funny as you remember because you didn't put a tear in it? Well, the wonderful makers of the Necro Nom 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 to replace your average pizza decided to come out with a, another book of the Lovecraft Cock. So they're from RedDukeGames.com and it will guide you through 78 different kinds of cocktails to summon a demon, summon a space bug. Who knows? Either way, it's going to be a very, very wonderful time, and we would highly recommend that you try to not ingest too many while at the gaming table, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen when you roll Perils of the Warp, or you roll a natural one on your persuasion check if you decide to play in So, if you're looking for fanciful drinks, go ahead and grab the Lovecraft Cocktails by the Mad Men at RedDukeGames.com, the makers of the Necro Nom Nom Hey listeners, this is Raymond with the Extreme Honest Podcast here to talk to you about KR cases. If you're like me and you're constantly looking for that better way to store your armies, then look no further than KR cases. That's right, this is the foam company known for their soft blue foam in the cardboard cases. They're a great way to mix and match whenever you're heading out for that next tournament. Just swap out those boxes and no need to worry about switching the foam in and out. They're sturdy, the boxes help protect your models, and if you when you order, they come fast, the order is right, and for a better price than the other guy. So go to krcases.com and when you place your order, be sure to mention the External House Podcast. Alright, so what's moving forward? Uh show, what kind of show that GW put on? On the tabletop, let's go to Chicago for uh, Games Day Chicago, which was one of their largest events of the weekend. And uh, Ray, do you have that up there? We can talk about our top five. Yeah. All right. So top five. What's in there? Okay. So we've got Mark Parker 
playing Tyranids. John Lennon went with High Fleet Kraken. Thomas Ogden with Tau Sept in third. Second was Ben Cherwin playing Emperor's Children. And in first was Jack Harpster with Harlequins. Yeah, so a big event over the weekend. Uh, big implications right now. There's not a lot of big events left on the schedule, especially here in the U.S. And this was one of the few that are still left. And Thomas Ogden who has the most wins, tournament wins so far. He's got seven GT uh, and higher level events wins so far this season, but he's been quagmired in in the middle of the pack. And this was a great opportunity for him to spring forward. He may be able to leapfrog the guys from England when we look at the ITC standings a little bit later, but one of the guys he's trying to catch is Jack Arpster and Jack leapfrobbed him with getting the win here. So I give both players credit. They're still playing the armies that, brought them there and they're they really have not changed their list too much but um major implications was a it's hard to say coming in third at such a large event was a missed opportunity but uh ooh, you know this, this, that might be the case here when you're getting down to it uh there's always i guess there's always lvo but we'll see what happens as the the rest we got about two three months left in the season yeah i mean so i mean looking at the top um I'm, and i'm branching up there are a ton of people not even just in the top five but when you go on to like i mean i'm seeing as far down as what is it 16th place there are people who they didn't lose a single match um according to this you know ninth place ben crawley playing necrons the last four rounds he played all 100s so yeah with their cutoff system he may just not made the cut at that point so um very competitive field. Let's so, see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just to help kind of point things out, our fifth place, Mark Parker, I just looked, and he did, in fact, bring Leviathan. Okay. So I thought it was Lennon, interesting that John Lennon brought Kraken. And if you look at some of the other lists and the other event we're going to be looking at, Hively Kraken seems to be making the rounds at this point. And is this a newfound tech or is this a pivot knowing that the date balance data slate could be here any day now and could be nerfing Leviathan? Who knows? Well, I mean, so I think people people spend so much time focusing on Leviathan that they forget that the codex is just strong in general. It's not Leviathan that's carrying it. I mean, and of course, you know, John Lennon just proved it this last weekend. Indeed. So, and it could be doing what, uh, very similar what last season where they won a couple key events at the end of the year, got their six minimum events and was enough to win the championship. So we'll see what happens, but um, nice to see him back on the circuit. We had a feeling that once the uh, world championships with the team tournaments were over, that the, we would see some of the top players emerge in these bigger singles events starting to happen so we'll see how this all shakes out the other big event and uh kind of the old guard this is their 12th year is the battle for salvation it's up in nyack new york for those of you who don't know where that is it's just right up the hudson river about an hour north of new york uh, new york city a beautiful place i used to work in that particular area this tournament used to be the ultimate bloodbath i mean if you could it was basically the hotbed of it was like <sighs> He's always right after Nova, and the idea is that all the top players from the Northeast would come and descend on this event. And it was just a murderous row. You're you're facing three to four players a, a day where you're just like, <laughs> I'd normally play this guy once if I was on the top table, and I got a. <laughs> it was just so dense with top players. And unfortunately, I don't know what happened. Um, I'm not saying that the players there were low quality. It's just a lot of the big names that we're accustomed to seeing at this event just weren't there this year. And I, I'm just, I don't know what that speaks to the hobby speaks to just life catching up with people. We have a new guard coming in, um, but like Anthony Vanella, for example, he's one of the top players in the Northeast area. He went to Chicago you know, he went to that event. Um, he was not at battle salvation. So some familiar faces, uh, Kirk Klaus was there. Um, uh, some of the other, Matt Shuckman, a couple of the other guys that are known for their big success in the Northeast, but you know, just no Nick Nadavati, no um, sh- um, 
Sean Naden, curious what's going on. So anyway, but uh, Ray, well, let's go over the top five that did arrive. All right. Fifth place was Luke McCarthy playing Chaos Space Marines, and as I left off, which region that was. Fourth place was Sam O'Brien playing Tau Empire. Third, Alexander Fennell playing Necrons. Second, Evan Tomchin playing Tau Empire. And in first, Daniel Walmuth playing Yanari. Yeah, look out, because uh, Yanari had a 57% win percentage, so according to the last Metal Watch... Um, so they might get they might get nerfed now. <laughs> Look out! <laughs> it looks like that Chaos Space Marine was the Emperor's children. Interesting. I'm curious to see. And if one thing we're not going to see on this is uh, did Alex Fennel bring his pink Necrons? He has a uh, Necron army that's painted to look like Hello Kitty, so it's pretty funny. Um, actually, if this is pl- the person playing this was the one I saw for a very short time on the War Games Live channel, it was in fact Pink Necrons because I did see Pink Necrons on the table. Yep. I'm curious on how he played. He didn't play. He did in fact go Eternal Conquerors and Relentless Expansionist. Did he bring? Yes, he brought the Silent King. Okay. Take a quick look at Daniel's list here, and as it looks like a lot of the usual culprits that we see in an art that we've talked about here on the show. The Incarn, Farseer Skyrunner, as his Warlord, two units of Rangers, one Harlequin Troop, uh, ten strong with one Caress, one Embrace with four Kisses, and a squad of five Witches with the Hypex Drug. Group of five Striking Scorpions, two groups of five Banshees, all with Mirror Swords, one having... Piercing Strikes, the other one with Crone Scream. A unit of five Wind Riders with Shirt and Cannons. Interesting. A unit of ten Swooping Hawks. A unit of three Shining Spears with Paragon Saber, Kane's Lance, Heart Strike, and Shimmer Shield. Two War Walkers, one with a Bright Lance, and the other with two Shirt and Cannons. And then adds in Baharoth and Webgate, yeah, other detachments. So um, very interesting. So Baharoth and the Webgate are pretty much standard issue, as are the troop choices that he had, with the exception of the Witches. But um, the War Walkers are kind of new, and um, the large block of Wind Riders is kind of new as well. So, so here, I'm, I'm going to ask you, because maybe this is something you've caught that I haven't ever noticed. I'm looking at his list, and if you look at the very mm-hmm. bottom, so it, there's this total, 1 CP, 16 units, and then it shows Assassinate 10 VP, and in parentheses, three characters. Bring it down, four VP, parentheses, three vehicles. No prisoners, seven victory points, and in parentheses, 66 wounds. Is this something new that it has popped up on a, a particular popular list building? I don't know if it has. I've been adding it because I've been seeing this because it's a nice courtesy to your opponent. Because it also, and you probably say, why would I give them that information? Um, honestly, just speeds up the picking selections like here dude this is what it's got so they know exactly what's going on um 16 units also tells me okay i know i write that on my army just so i know exactly how many i can put in reserve and i actually have them color coded on my army list for that i don't give out that i keep to myself but um yeah you know exactly hey do i take do i take bring it down how many wounds is that vehicle i'm not familiar with you dude you're only going to get four of your points with bring it down Okay, I'm going to take something else then. It just, but it's curious if he typed that in himself or if the popular list uh, list building app does that for him. I that I don't know. Well, I just pulled up, and maybe it's because this list is a little bit old, but I just pulled up my Necron list that I took to the Spike Club Open, and I don't see that. So I think he might have actually taken the time to type that out himself. I'm going to load mine up. Let me see. This is a list I made fairly recently. I do not see it. Maybe it's under options. This is good radio. I'm not seeing it, but uh, I think there's more options to play with. So let me um, let me work with this offsite and see what we can come up with. Because everything else looks like it is generated by the app. So. All right. <laughs> so there we go. Battle salvation. 2022 in the books so as we mentioned a couple big name players uh involved in the fray next question of course how does that affect the itc standings well first and foremost i really hope that they finally updated (laughs) because ggw events for whatever reason always take like an extra week or so to update which just drives me nuts no explanation for that but um 
<laughs> and um, that is not the case this weekend. The Chicago Open is in the standing. So these are indeed up to date. So your top 10 looks something like this. In 10th place, Innes Wilson at 1,312 points. Ninth place, Nassim Fouchan in ninth place. Uh, eighth place, Stephen Crawley. Seventh place, wow, what a drop. Manny Chima dropping down. He was in the top three for most of the season, now harboring himself in seventh place. Sixth place, Colin McDade. Fifth place, John Lennon after his big uh, performance this past weekend. Thomas Ogden was able to move himself up one spot. Uh, just behind David Gaylard. And matter of fact, they're only less than two points separating David da- Gaylard from Thomas Ogden for third place. Victor J still holding on to that second spot with 1,421 points. But at the top of the heap, it remains Jack Harpster with 1,464 points. So he's got a roughly a 40 point lead over Victor J for the top spot. And then almost a hundred and 60-point lead over David Gaylard and Thomas Ogden. So we'll get as we get closer to the end of the season in LVL, we'll get to break down just how, how much points they'll need or how much ahead of each player they'll need to finish. But there's only a few events left, a few months. Realistically, I know we're in October, but um, you know, December with the holidays, they, they tend to be devoid of any large events. So here, at least here in the United States, we're only looking at about five, six weeks left of tournament action. I, w- I was just going to ask, I think, isn't the SoCal Open the next big event that should be coming up? And is- that is, uh, give me one second, I have to say that is in two weeks. My sense of timing is really poor because I'm just so much going on, both hobby-wise as well as real life. And um, you know what? I'm just going to do it on BCP. Do it that way. Ah, October 21st through 23rd. I knew it was coming up. I think... At least in the United States, generally speaking, we only go through about mid-November when it comes to GTs, and much nothing till right. LVO. Yeah, every now and then you can spring up something early January and sort of like this last-ditch effort to get points. But uh, it's very risky. But uh, in terms of, yeah, December is usually very quiet. Uh, i got to remember we also have the week of Thanksgiving, which is unique to United States. So and I can tell you um, we've got, I've got, two other non-40k tournaments for my son's hockey league to deal with there so there's that's going to kill a whole bunch of weekends but um, making travel arrangements and finding convention space on those holiday weekends is usually cost prohibitive for 40k i'm sure a lot of prices go up for things like that that oh yeah absolutely so there you are uh with some of the rankings uh while we're at it here just also your uh top five for your team rankings uh fifth place death and death or glory at 2312 fourth place vanguard tactics three third place the war masters second place uh dice down and number one the art of war uh what a surprise surprise with 2,554 points, so almost 150 point lead over second place. So interesting enough, and good old Smite Club, I'm gonna double check, is down at 30th place. So we're, we're hanging in there. It's one of our better finishes. We're working our way back up the ladder. You know, it's pretty respectable. I mean, how many teams do we have at this point in mm-hmm. doing this? It's just so many. So, I mean, even even sitting in, like, 30th, you're, that's still yeah. really good. The hardest part with um, the team tournament thing is that they only – they kind of put out the, the Alan Romanovich rule. Um, a player can only contribute so many scores to their team. So, after, at a certain point, the other members of the team, <clears throat> myself, um, <laughs> need to step up and uh, add more high scores to help their team move up. So, for example, looking at our team – Dan Olivas has, you know, three of our top five scores. Ben Jurek has a third best score. Don Husen's got our fourth best score. Dan actually has two scores. He actually would have our fifth and sixth highest score, but he's already contributed three scores to our team total. So therefore they do not count. So, um, yeah, <laughs> I need to get off my butt. And if I can at least pump up uh, 160 points, I could help bolster the team a little bit. So you just got to find your way to a tournament. Yeah, they have to find a, not only find a way to a tournament, find uh, the time off as well as coordinating between uh, kid schedules, family schedule, work schedule, all that fun stuff. But um, I'm actually really happy with my list that I've been running. I hope to, at our Sunday tournament, uh, kind of hoping to be able to get some ringer action and give it a try. And um, But I uh, had a couple of practice games against Robert. 
And um, so I'm excited to get this thing on the table. I just finished from a hockey progress standpoint. Uh, my stencils are done. I found a new material to make uh, airbrush stencils from scratch. So I'm willing to try this out and clean up the disaster that was the... I was basically, oh, LBOs in 48 hours. <laughs> I need to paint these Raiders, get the three color minimum. <laughs> and I rushed it. And sure enough, the stencils were not on straight. So they need to be completely repainted. So since then, I've come up with a whole new stencil. And so I have to repaint the Raiders to make them look nice. So well, yeah, can't wait to looking see forward them. to it. And then you're looking like a, have a tournament uh, marathon this weekend. Yeah. So just a quick share with the listeners. We do a very large scale uh, league every season here in the the valley almost all if not all of the large gaming stores take part in this league we do at the end of the season a bunch of store championships that lead to an actual is it considered a gt or is it just an rtt for the purposes of the very last i believe it's an rtt but the idea is that there are several rtts that so there's like an elimination round so then that's only the top finishers from each store participates in this one tournament okay well so at the store i'm technically part of I say technically because the event that helped set up the Scorched Earth Open, not actually Eric and Matt who set it all up, but one of the other who helped out um, signed a bunch of us up to take part, be able to take part in the league kind of through Scorched Earth. Or not Scorched, I'm sorry, the, the Smite Club Open. And since I played three people who were in said league, I ended up basically getting three rounds of the league in, despite that I hadn't actually done it. Well, long story short, because of certain people who were supposed to be part of the store championship not being able to make it, I myself am going to be part of the store championship happening this next Saturday, the 15th. And if I somehow manage to make it high enough i might be taking part in the actual league championship which is kind of a crazy thought (laughs) and then of course i had already signed up for a tournament this sunday not even knowing that there that was even a chance of me taking part in any league store championship yep we still have slots available for that as well this sunday the 16th at imperial outpost games and uh, it's a small rtt uh, we've got, we're about halfway sold out already. So if you haven't bought your tickets, uh, make sure to sign up on the app, BCP app as soon as possible so you don't lose your spot. So it should be a fun little uh, event. I'm looking forward to doing something a little more smaller scale after uh, the larger GTs that I've been doing so far this summer. So they're fun too, but sometimes you need to get back to your roots a little bit and do smaller events. So that's what we have going on this week. I'm sure we'll have Robert back next week. In the meantime, my name's Eric, and thank you for listening to the Extreme Announcement.